everyone. A sister once told me this. GBC people do not sleep at all during service. But they will sleep when Tien Chai preach. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Yeah. Thanks for the support. I think you proved that sister who told me that wrong. Some of us here this morning drive or take the public transport to church for service. Along the way, you may see some signs that say roadworks danger ahead. Or if you go on a self-drive vacation overseas in Australia, it is common to see signs like danger, kangaroos, crossing. Also commonly spotted in our HP uh, void decks and leaves that says, beware of scam. Often we receive messages warning us, do not open this, do not open that. This list can go on and on. What then is the purpose of all these warnings. Clearly, these warnings are not meant to harm us or scare us, but to inform us of the potential serious dangers and consequences so that we could avoid it, provided you take heed of these warnings seriously. The problem is, we, being prideful, tend to think that these warnings are not for me, or I would never fall into such a situation, or such dangers will never, never happen to me. My warning to you, beware, lest you suffer because of, of your foolishness in ignoring these warnings. Similarly, in today's sermon, the passage on Hebrews Chapter 10, verses 26 to 39, the author gave a warning to Christians of the real danger of falling into apostasy. Apostasy can be defined as Christians having at one time professed the Christian faith, but have now rejected it for whatever reason, thus rejecting Christ. The passage contains one of the most serious warnings against apostasy in the book of Hebrews pointing us to the danger of falling into the state of faithlessness and disbelief. The danger of apostasy confronts every believer. You and me, it's real and can happen to any of us, as much as the warning signs that we see in our everyday life. The dire consequences await those who are turning their back on Christ by abandoning their profession of faith walking away from the only way of salvation that God has provided through His Son, Jesus. The writer encouraged the Christians not to walk away from God, but to have faith and endure to the end. The sermon title this morning is Repent and Endure to the End. We have this big idea of do not be unrepentant but hold fast our confidence in Christ to the end. There are three points to this sermon outline. 
Number one, heed God's warning and repent. Number two, hold fast to the confidence in Christ and endure. And the third point, have faith to the end and preserve your soul. Let me pray for us. Father, we come before your word. Let our hearts hear you. Let us feel you are with us. And whatever we need to do, Father, give us the strength, the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Point one, heed God's warning and repent. Let me read Hebrews 10, verses 26 to 31. It says, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but the fearful expectation of judgment and the fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved? by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If you have been following the sermon series on Hebrews, you will have known by now that the book of Hebrews is written to believers who are going through a time of trial, persecution, and extremely difficult times. Our text opens with a grave warning, verse 26. For if we go on sinning deliberately, realize that it doesn't say, if you go on sinning. The writer says, we, as he identifies himself with a Christian who are facing severe hardship, trials, and persecution. It highlights the danger of all Christians, you and me, falling into the state of continually sinning deliberately, the sin of apostasy. Let me ask you three questions. Who among us sin? Number two, who among us struggles with sin? And the third question, who among us struggle with repeated sin? If you are honest, which you should, you will answer yes to all these three questions. Here, we are not talking about the frequency of sinning, nor the number of repeated sins we have committed against our holy God. It is about our heart's response and our heart's attitude when we sin against God. What does it look like? Verse 26 warns us of the danger of sinning deliberately or in another Bible version, willfully. Christian falling into the apostasy doesn't happen overnight. It is going to be slowly and gradually drifting away, away from the Lord. This person no longer acknowledges sin as sin and sinning doesn't matter to him or her anymore. The heart becomes hardened against the work of the Spirit. Literally, they do what they want to do without any regard for God. 
Then comes the choice that they make deliberately, conscientiously, knowingly turning back on Christ and return to their former life of rebellion, a life of rejecting Christ. A timely reminder from 1 John 3.9 says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. The severe consequences for the person who goes on sinning deliberately taken from this passage. One, there is no more sacrifice for sins. There is a fearful judgment that will come upon him. The severity of the punishment that God has set. And God will surely judge and will surely carry out those punishments. And fifth, sins will never, never go unpunished. And the days when they say it is a fearful, fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Verse 27 warns us, but the fearful expectation of judgment and the fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Friends, anyone who is not a child of God, is an enemy of God. For the person who turns their back on Christ, abandons the faith they once had in Christ, is rejecting and treating the death of Christ as nothing, rejects the only means that God has provided for dealing with sin. What other conclusion or future could this person expect Except a fearful judgment to come and the fury of fire, which is the same judgment and punishment for any other person who rejects the gospel of Christ. What did a person who goes on sinning deliberately does? This person has trampled the Son of God underfoot, treading heavily and violently so as to bruise or crush Christ. You know how serious is that? It's equivalent to an act of crucifying Him and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which He or she was sanctified. They treated Jesus' blood, which cleanses sin, as a cheap, ordinary, unholy thing. If then Christ's blood is ordinary and unholy, it means that Christ, who is the Son of God, is not God at all, as His blood is common, unholy, nothing, like any other man on earth. And this person also insulted and disdained the Spirit of grace that you and I receive upon conversion, who brings God's mercy to sinners like you and me. Listen to verse 29. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who goes on sinning deliberately? Can you imagine that? If physical death is already a worse punishment, how much worse punishment will be given to the one who set aside? Not just the law of Moses, who is only a prophet, but one who was greater than Moses himself, indeed, 
one who was and is the very Son of God. Beloved, when you heard this, what were your thoughts right now? Scared? These warnings from God are not here to scare you off, but are used by our loving God as a means to direct you back to Him in repentance of sin, to preserve you to the very last day. These warnings must be taken seriously lest we incur His judgment and punishment and it will surely come to pass. To my friends who are here this morning who have yet to accept this good news of Jesus, good news is not about God's grace only, but also His judgment and punishment. Hebrews 9.27 says, 20, sorry, Hebrews 9.27 says, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. God is just and righteous in His judgment. At the same time, He is also a God of wrath. He is also a loving God who sent His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Jesus bore the wrath of God on our behalf and He shed His precious blood. Not ordinary, not unholy, but it's God's blood for the forgiveness of sin. Therefore, whoever believes in Jesus should not perish, but have eternal life. And just now we have heard the two testimonies, how God called them from darkness into His marvelous light, and how the gospel saved them. And therefore, they want to publicly testify who they are in Christ. Therefore, whoever believes in Jesus should not perish, but have eternal life. Because of Christ's work on the cross, we can be reconciled to God and be called children of God. You have witnessed this beautiful imagery of one dying with Christ, buried and raised with new life with Christ. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned, but whoever rejects Christ rejects the one and only sacrifice which can save them. There is not and will never be any other means to remove sin. You have just heard the gospel and have heard it perhaps many times. I urge you not to delay, for you do not know when your time on earth is up. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, friends. Do not reject Jesus who has died for your sins. And turn to our brother and sister here. If you are a believer and sitting there feeling a little bit uneasy about what God is speaking to you, I have two things to say to you. Firstly, it is very good to feel this way. Secondly, don't just feel good. Do something. Don't stay put with your uneasiness and brush it off. Get up and seek help by approaching someone from whom you can share your struggle, your problem, or with any members or elders of this church. God's grace is here for you, but you need to repent of your sin. 
to receive forgiveness and return back to Christ. But you may be sitting there with no feeling of discomfort for yourself, but instead sadness and concern for a fellow believer, be it your loved ones, friend, colleague, or schoolmate. You're wondering if they may be drifting away from the Lord. Prayerfully and courageously, you apply what you learned from last week's sermon on encouraging one another. Go to them and offer to walk alongside them in the struggle with sin. Pursue after them to find out how they are doing in their spiritual life. Pray for and with them. Use God's word to correct and rebuke them in love, pointing them back to Christ. If you are a member of this body of Christ, GBC, it is your responsibility to seek them out to do spiritual good. Tell them lovingly but firmly that they may be in a dangerous spiritual state of sinning deliberately, falling into the sin of apostasy. This is why it's so important to be a member of a local church so that we can be accountable to one another and to build up one another in the faith. From a timely admonishment written with love for fellow believers, the author now turns to them to offer words of encouragement. This leads us to point two. Hold fast to the confidence in Christ and endure. Hold fast to the confidence in Christ and endure. Verses 32 to 38 says, But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The author described their former days after they were enlightened, referring to receiving the good news of Christ. He comforts and encourages the believer to look back to their former times. For what? They suffered persecution and hard times and they endured and remained faithful to God. Not only that, more importantly, they themselves in the midst of these difficult times and endurance, they experienced the faithfulness of God. Let's look at what suffering they were going through and how they responded. They were being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. How difficult it was to receive such treatment, harsh and at times humiliating. 
Even though they themselves were suffering, they still helped other sufferers to press on. They show compassion to those in prison who are being thrown into a prison, most likely because of their faith. They love and care for prisoners. At the same time, do likewise for the prisoners' loved ones. These are wonderful, wonderful testimony. What does it look like in our present context? And how do we apply this teaching within the local church? Let me share some thoughts on this. We can visit members who are sick or homebound. Few of us were visiting a family of many sisters. Two of them were suffering from serious dementia. What we do, what we did, we just simply spent time with them, reading the scripture, sharing a devotion, singing many hymns, prayer and fellowship. Let me tell you, though they have dementia, they never forget who God is. They can sing the hymns better than I do. That is really amazing. We visit them, we care for them, we try to encourage their hearts to continue the life of a believer. Another example is showing love and compassion to the bereaved family, suffering the loss of a loved one. Besides praying for the bereaved family, we should try to find time to show up at the wake. The appropriate word that I should use here for all of us in Singapore is to squeeze time out of our Singaporean schedule. We are always busy. Our presence with the bereaved family means a lot to them and it brings comfort and support more than just words of condolences. Also, let me share what it takes to show love and concern for members in hard times. I know of a brother who had the privilege of walking alongside a fellow brother who was in hardship going into jail for a non-criminal offence. He finds out what his needs were during and after his term. With restricted emails per week, he compiled members' words of encouragement and sent them to him. He sees that his family needs were taken care in his absence. He prayed for him, and not only he prayed, many a times, he just think of how this brother is doing in the prison. It must have been hard on him. But this brother who walks alongside Tim fully give in to walk alongside during these difficult times. He did whatever possible to love, to encourage and strengthen this brother who was in jail. There are few ways we can intentionally live out our covenant with one another as a local body of Christ to do the one anothering, such as to weep with those who weep. We need to make time to be with the sufferers, whether they are suffering physically, emotionally, or spiritually. This is exactly how we as members do life together as a church. Later in the service, we will welcome nine new members joining us, joining us by baptism and transfer. They join this local body of Christ 
And therefore, we will enter into a member covenant with them to love and build up one another. Another good work was they joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. The motivation is found in verse 34. They knew they had a better possession and an abiding one. They not only accept, but joyfully accept their loss of assets. In view of the better possession that they had, the word is had already secured, not will have. That is their faith. Similarly, Paul says this in Philippians 3, verse 7 and 8. But, for whatever, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Friends, they could count earthly treasures such as property as rubbish because they have found a better and greater possession, greater treasure than this. Yes, they have found a better possession and abiding one, which is of eternal value. Earlier on, Melise read for us the passage from Habakkuk, chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. I will read again from New Living Translation. It says, Even though the fig trees have no bloom, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crops, olive, olive crop fields, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields, and the better buns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. When we are tested to give up what we hold, what we have, may we be able to say, just that Habakkuk given to us. And in our context, may we be able to say, even though I struggle to hold on to my job or have no job, even though I have no financial means to carry on, even though I'm poor in health, even though I have no children or can't have any children, even though my spouse and loved ones are taken away from me, even though my life ahead is filled with uncertainties, and even I cannot see where my future will be, can we say, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in the God of my salvation, just as Habakkuk said. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Friends, we are not owners of our possession. We are only stewards. When we are tested, may we have the courage, the faith to believe to leave it released back to God for whatever reason. It's not going to be easy, but we need to endure. And that's why we need one another to encourage one another to live our life by faith. Let's continue with verse 35 and 36. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. 
For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. The author now urged the people not to give up when the going gets tough. The confidence they have in Christ, which has a great reward, will see them through just like before. So don't give up, but keep enduring. And endurance is what they lack. They need endurance. Why? Didn't they respond well? The context of this passage has a lot to do with the temptation to abandon the faith because of hardship, because of persecution, because of difficult times. Though we do not face similar issues back then, in spite of that, people continue to drift away from the faith. People still abandon their profession of faith, don't they? Factors such as priorities, engagements, or pursuits of life are all at our doorstep. For others, there have been an overwhelming experience of the brokenness and the despair in their life, a personal tragedy and hardship. But beloved, but whatever persecution or distraction or worldliness or idolatry or brokenheartedness, whatever the circumstances might be for you and for me right now, the admonition for God's people remains the same. Endure. Endure. And hold on to your confidence in Christ, which has a great reward. What does endurance look like and how do we live it out in our everyday life? Is it to keep still, like what the Chinese words say, run, bite the bullet, and go through the trials of life quietly by yourself? To endure is to go through difficult times with patience and with God, with a heart trusting in God that He knows what you are going through. Certainly, He is with us in these trying moments and able to sympathize with us. But more importantly, He is a powerful and living God who will work all things for good to those who love Him and accord according to His purpose. And not only to His good, my friends, it's the, for the good of His children. The encouragement and motivation to endure is found in verses 37 and 38. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The author is encouraging the believers. The suffering that they were enduring is temporal. A short time in comparison, the time they will have with Christ in eternity. We believe that the coming one, who is the Christ, will come. It is not maybe or would be, but surely Christ will come again. How sure are you? We as God's children, the righteous one, who live by faith, the faith to believe that God is faithful to His promises and God is faithful to see that it will come 
to fulfilment. Do not string back, do not string back which can mean we take a step back or hold on to that, but we are to continue ahead to endure where God has put you in today. There's no room for us, beloved, to string back in following Christ. There's only one way, that is to press on. God is not pleased with us living a non-committed or a half-hearted life for Him. Yes, as God's righteous ones in Christ, we shall live by faith as we endure through. This leads us to our final point. Have faith till the end and preserve your soul. Verse 39 says, But we are not of those who string back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. It is so, so encouraging to hear the author saying, we, together, do not shrink back from falling Christ. We are those that have faith and preserve our soul. A positive move. This preserving of the soul is not referring to eternal security. Rather, it is referencing a believer's closeness with God. It is about our daily spiritual life, our daily walk with God, and how we live our life for Him. To preserve is to prevent something from deteriorating. Let me, give, let me try to give you an illustration. Many w- women in our midst do take good care of their skin, which is good. But please don't spend excessively on those products. But they need to have the discipline to apply whatever product regularly. But most, most importantly, they need to trust or rather have faith in that product that they are applying to preserve their skin. They apply believing that it will help them not to deteriorate, perhaps just maintain as it is. So imagine if you are 20 years old, you continue to apply, you will forever have that 20 years old skin. I hope it works this way. I don't know. I don't apply any cream. (laughs) Likewise, to preserve our soul such that we have a healthy spiritual life that reflects Christ-likeness, we need to have a healthy discipline. We need to cultivate a life of spiritual discipline like reading the scripture every day, praying, witnessing the gospel with someone else and fellowship with one another. And there is no shortcut to it. We need to do it daily that we get better, we get more discipline. We need to have faith in God. Our only means or so-called product that will help us to preserve our healthy spiritual life. Faith in God that whatever life situation He places us in, we will endure. We will not throw away our confidence in Christ. Faith in God even in times of needs, even in times of loss, even in times of despair. This faith is not placed in ourselves 
or in our resources that we have, but fully in Christ alone. When we have faith in God, we will not be disappointed because He is a trustworthy God. He will remain faithful despite our faithlessness. We have many biblical examples from the saints of old, which we will hear next Sunday. Faithful men and women who endured and pressed on to the end. By God's grace, we also have members among us who have not stringed back and preserved their Christian testimony for the Lord, walking faithfully and enduring what comes unto them. Praise God for men and women in this church of all ages in different seasons of life, with or without leadership positions. Though some were called home to glory, we have many that are still in our midst. Yes, they did face many temptations and hard times along the way, but they didn't throw away the confidence in Christ. Instead, they chose to endure and hold fast. Definitely, it was not easy and it will never be easy for any one of us to encourage our hearts. Let me share a few examples. I know of a senior who has a short stay in a nursing home for recuperation and physiotherapy. Though he's not in the best of his health, he loves God and even finds ways to serve God. He distributes gospel tracts to the nursing staff when he was there. He cares for God's people in many practical ways. He gets connected with the church though he's not able to worship with us in person. There are several men and women among us, young and old, who gave up their aspirations to succeed in life. They leave their well-paid jobs with good career prospects, choosing not to pursue the corporate world. Instead, they have chosen jobs that enable them to devote more time to God, family, and fellow brothers and sisters. But there's always a struggle within them to give up their sacrifice and commitment to God and follow what their contemporaries are pursuing, attractive. But they continue to endure. I know of many elderly couples who are in their 70s, 80s, are walking with the Lord and doing His will. Particularly, one couple, despite of their age and limitation, served with me in visiting members, in homes, hospitals, and almost every other week. At times, they are the ones who encourage me to press on and still stir me up unto good works. Lastly, one member who is going through chemotherapy for a cancer treatment. When my wife Janice reached out to her to ask how she was doing, this was her reply. God has been good and taking care of me till this day. This member asked the doctor whether the chemo treatment will remove the cancer cells, to which the doctor responded, it is unlikely. It will only reduce the size of the tumor enough for surgery. These were her very words. Well, if the Lord willing, full recovery 
is still possible. But not my will, but the Lord's will be done. Hear the last word. It is enough for me to have Christ the Lord. It is enough for me to have Christ the Lord. Beloved, these are all truly living testimony before us. Men and women of different seasons of life, walking despite of the struggles, temptations and hard times. These are the examples to encourage us and for us to imitate. They simply live out their faith in Christ as an obedient response to God's amazing grace. To conclude, the Lord has spoken from His Word. What do you do now? What do you need to do? Don't just have status quo and leave this century and forget about everything. God is speaking to you. To my dear brothers and sisters, heed God's stern warning, which is for our good. Do not go on sinning deliberately, but come before His throne of grace, humbly in repentance of our sin, and seek His forgiveness. And together as a body of Christ, let us endure in doing the will of God to the end. And we will receive what God has promised for each one of us. No shrinking back, only by faith, following Christ to the day when God calls us home to glory or when Christ comes again as the Lord of our salvation. Hebrews 10 verse 39 But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Let's rise together and, re- and say this verse together. Please stand with me. And uh, Annie and uh, Joy will come and lead us in a song of response. Hebrews 10, 39. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Let us pray.